Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. In some ways, you might consider him a little bit of the forgotten character of Christmas. Obviously, he was never intended to be the main character. But he gets more time in Scripture than the shepherds or the wise men put together. His story, or his part in the story, takes place after the shepherds leave, but before the wise men show up. Yet, in any contemporary manger scene, you don't see him. His name's Simeon. And Simeon does something in Scripture that is super helpful at Christmas. He really, in some ways, wraps up Christmas. I don't, I don't mean that he wraps it up like he brings it to a close. He helps us just understand, really, what it's about. But Simeon takes us on a little bit of a journey Because if you really had to boil it down to one word to really describe what Simeon wants us to get out of Christmas, it's it's hope. But before we can really experience hope, Simeon wants us to remember what it feels like to be hopeless. I don't know if you've ever heard a phrase like this in your life. We no longer need your services here. And after 30 years with the same company, in a matter of minutes, your job has ended and your career is over and you feel hopeless. I don't know if you've ever heard something like this. I've found someone else. And after 20 years of marriage, you find yourself feeling utterly hopeless. I wonder if this has ever happened in your family, if your family has had to deal with these words from a judge, guilty, the sentence, life, without parole. And your entire family left the courtroom that day feeling this feeling of hopelessness. I don't know if you've ever said across the table from a physician, and she came into the room, and she said to someone that you love dearly, it's terminal, and the air left the room, and you felt it. You felt hopeless. You see, as a part of Simeon's story, we have to remember what it's like to be hopeless before we can truly enjoy hope. So if you have your Bibles, let's take a look at his story as Simeon wraps up Christmas. It's found in Luke chapter 2, starts in verse 22. And again, this is right after the shepherds have left the manger. It says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph And Mary took him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This would have been 40 days after Jesus was born. As it is written in the law of the Lord. Now, one of the things that would be super helpful to to hang on to for the next couple minutes is Dr. Luke, who is writing this, 
mentions obedience to the law, Mary and Joseph's obedience to the law four different times, it seems like that might be a big deal. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and that's what Mary and Joseph were going in obedience to do, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. This young couple was completely obedient to God. They obeyed God's laws. Why? Because every one of God's laws matters in ways that we wouldn't even begin to know. But they didn't have the money to, 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 to fulfill one of the commandments, which was to bring a lamb, so they had to have a substitute, which was two young doves or pigeons. Interestingly enough, they had the lamb with them in Jesus. Now we meet him, Simeon. Look what it says about him. Verse 25, how's this for a bio? Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Let's stop there. When it says that Simeon was righteous, that's talking about his relationship with other people. If you knew him personally, you liked him. You could trust him. You knew he cared about you. If you ever did business with Simeon, his word was good. If he said he was going to do something, he did it. But not only was he righteous in his relationships with others, it says that he was devout. That means he was serious about his vertical relationship with God. He loved God. He worshiped God. He prayed to God. He served God. It was important to him in his life. And then it makes this statement, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what was he waiting on? He was waiting on the Messiah. That's what the consolation of Israel was about. There was everything in the Old Testament was pointing to this. Now, I want you to see this, and we'll come back to it. Simeon wasn't trusting in the fact that he was a righteous guy or a devout guy. He was trusting in the fact that God was going to send someone, the consolation, the Messiah, to be completely righteous for him. And then it says this about Simeon, which is another interesting facet that we're going to pick up. It says, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Simeon's going to paint an incredible picture of what it means to live life under the influence of the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, in a time when very few people were. This is before Acts. This is before Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the life of believers. But if you were around Simeon, you would have probably said something like this, I don't know what it is about that guy, but every time I'm around him, I feel like I'm in the presence of the Lord. Verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. All of us have a bucket list, right? Do you have a bucket list? Three or four things that you want to do before you die? Nothing wrong with that. I want a peacock bass fish on the Amazon River. <laughs> Simeon only had one thing on his bucket list. He wanted to see the Messiah. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit... Right, the music picks up a little bit here. This is the day. It's 40 days after the birth of Jesus, and Simeon wakes up this particular day, and he is moved by the Holy Spirit. There's an urging. There's a prompting. Whatever you want to say, the Holy Spirit spoke, and Simeon was listening, and he obeyed. He went into the temple courts when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Now, here's what, here's what you... You may not understand, in the temple courts area, it was a large area, three football fields long, three football fields wide. It would have been super, super crowded. 
I mean, if Nick would have been there, he'd have been urging people to scoot into the middle. There were people everywhere. And Simeon makes his way there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit told him to. Now, verse 28, for you moms, think about this. Here you are holding your firstborn, not the second or the third, the firstborn. And some dude that you've never met, look at verse 28, Simeon Simeon took him, meaning Jesus, in his arms and praised God. So think about this. Here you are in this crowded temple complex. Mary's holding on to Jesus, or maybe Joseph is holding, and Simeon just comes in and just takes him away from him. And the interesting fact for most of us, that would have freaked us out, right? Here's some dude we've never seen before, and he just took your baby But for Mary and Joseph, they'd seen a lot stranger things happen in the last 10 months. I mean, this was not even that high on the list. And here's what Simeon says, verse 29, sovereign Lord, meaning God who is in control of all things, as you have promised, you keep your promises, God, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon says, I'm good. I've seen everything I need to see, and I'm ready to to head to the house. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I love this. You hear people say this, seeing is believing. Not sure if that's true. In fact, biblically, I'm not so sure if it's just the opposite. Believing is actually seeing. You hear people say, I'll have to see it to believe it. Simeon believes the promises of God and he got to do what? See it. You see, that's the way this thing works, right? Because we don't call the shots. God does. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, I'm stopping here because, again, Mary and Joseph, he's speaking to an audience of two. And here's Mary and here's Joseph, and they're like, we knew this was a big deal. But this guy is really affirming that this is a big deal. And this is way bigger than just for us Jewish people. This is, this, my, my baby boy is going global. I mean, this is like a big, big deal. Light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I bet they did, right? Because it's one thing that all parents have in common. Somebody's bragging on our kid. We're in for that, right? So they marveled. This had to be so encouraging for Mary and Joseph, who'd had an unbelievable last 10 months. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Mary, he's got your eyes. Joseph, these looks like a chip off the old block. It's a good-looking baby boy. Good luck. He doesn't say anything like that. What he says is very different, and he wraps up Christmas. Listen to what he says. Mary, listen to me. Joseph, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Simeon says, not everybody, Mary, not everybody's going to say favorable things about this boy. In fact, many will not. Let me tell you something else, Mary and Joseph, about this baby boy. Everybody on planet Earth, whether they rise in God's presence or fall in separation, that will all be determined on what they do with this child. That's a lot. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. In other words, no one will be able to hide behind a veil of religion because this child will expose them. 
And then he says this to Mary as he closes. And Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul as well. It is a reminder to Mary and to us that this baby was born for a specific purpose, to die a sacrificial death. That's a lot. Let's summarize it very quickly here. And some of you say, well, Pastor Brady, when you say quickly, your quickly is not the same as my quickly. But this is going to be a Christmas miracle. Like, <laughs> it's going to be quickly, right? Uh, here's how Simeon's story wraps up Christmas. Number one, here's the first thing we learned from Simeon's story. The law is why we need Jesus. That's why over and over again in this story, it's mentioned that Mary and Joseph kept the law fully. And, and, and Simeon wants us to understand that from, even from his birth, he obeyed the law, fulfilled the law. But again, Simeon wants to take us on a journey from hopelessness to hopefulness. Here's the thing about the law. None of us can keep it fully. There's not a single person in this room that can completely obey God's law. We've all sinned, right? We're all lawbreakers. Would you agree with that? Whether you do or not, it's true. But the human race has never been able to produce a single person who's been able to fulfill the law of God. Not one apart from Christ. I mean, we, we've been able to produce some great athletes from Muhammad Ali to Mia Hamm. We, we, we've been able to produce some great business leaders from Steve Jobs to Bill Gates. We've been able to produce some incredible minds from Sir Isaac Newton to Albert Einstein. But what we have never been able to produce is one to completely obey all of God's commands except for the God-man, Jesus Christ. And the law is why we need Jesus because we can't keep it. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say this, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. You hear that? You may have it on a wreath in your house, and it's good. I get that. It's not fully true. Jesus really isn't the reason for the season. Sin is the reason for the season. Jesus is the solution. You see, sin means that we're all lawbreakers, and Jesus is the only law, keep, law keeper. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, to come stand in our place to live a life that we could never live so we could stand in his place in the presence of God so that in him, Paul says, we might become the righteousness of God because under the law, you and I are hopeless. Only when we understand that Jesus has faithfully kept the law do we find hope. Number two, the law is why we need Jesus and is the spirit the Spirit is how we find Jesus. Like in, in, in this story, it is completely clear that it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God that leads Simeon to Jesus. We don't, we don't come to Jesus on our own. We don't find Jesus on our own. It is the Holy Spirit that will lead us, that will reveal to us who Jesus is. Look at verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So this story, Simeon coming to Jesus, is all about the Holy Spirit allowing him to find Jesus. And, and when, when Simeon arrived in the temple, in this large complex with, with so many people, it was the Holy Spirit that prompted him amidst all these young couples, because there were tons of young couples coming to the temple to do exactly what Mary and Joseph were doing, and they had a little baby as well. How among all these would he know who the Messiah was? It was the Holy Spirit that orchestrated events, prompted him, and led him to see Jesus. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. You see, if you could stop and think about it for just a moment. What's true about you is God has orchestrated events in your past, put people in your life, exposed you to circumstances and situations so you could see him for who he is. The Spirit is how we find Jesus. But the Spirit is also, the Spirit is also how we see ourselves or helps us to see ourselves, understand our own situation. Now, this is so important because when it comes to our situation, it is the Spirit that opens our eyes to see the reality of who we are. Let me say that to you again. The Spirit opens our eyes to see the reality of who we are because most people, when they think about themselves in relation to God, they think, I'm good. I'm fine. I got this. I, I might need a little help. Here's the problem. Please listen to what I'm about to say. We think sin is merely just a behavioral activity. We think sin is something that we occasionally do. I want to tell you something. Sin is not something that you occasionally do. Sin is a terminal illness that you were born with that affects every facet of your life, and you are hopeless against it apart from Christ. I see the looks on your faces. Most of the time when it comes to God, we think, you know what, I just need a little help. You see, if you think sin is just sort of a behavior that you occasionally do, then, yeah, you would think, God, I just need you to help me in this situation. But I, I believe sin is a terminal disease, and I don't need help. I need life. And that's what Jesus brings. You see, here's the problem with sin. Sin blinds me to the truth of who I am. Sin makes me think I'm okay when I'm not okay. Sin creates a constant pull to rebellion and selfishness in our lives. Is that true about you? I'm not asking you to nod, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But, but sin, this terminal disease known as sin, creates a constant desire and pull toward rebellion in our life and selfishness. In fact, if you could look back on the story of your life, there's been so many people that you have hurt because of selfishness. That's not just your behavior. It's something far deeper. Sin will replace the worship of God and fill it with the worship of everything else. Sin is terminal. And the Holy Spirit of God will open your eyes to that. Watch this. Only when you realize that you are utterly hopeless can Jesus become your hope. Let's look at the third and final thing. The Christmas miracle is happening. Here it is, right? You're almost there, especially if you're a parent of a three-year-old right now. You're like, praise God. I think we can make it. Faith is how we receive Jesus. The law is why we need Jesus. The Spirit is how we find Jesus. And faith is how we receive Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, one of the greatest passages in the entire Bible. What does it say? It says, for by grace, that's unmerited, undeserved favor and also unbelievable power, for by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And this is not from yourself. Why? Because you're hopeless as a lawbreaker. It's not of yourself, and it's not by work so that no one can boast or brag about this. Luke 2.25, watch this again. This is going to help us have a better understanding of what faith is. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit was on him. But what was he doing? Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon didn't believe that his righteousness or how devout he was, anything he had ever done for God or for other people would be something that could allow him to be in the presence of God. He wasn't trusting in that. He was trusting in the one who was coming, and that's what faith is. Faith is this. Please listen. Faith is this. It's placing all of your hope in Christ, in Christ alone. 
His confidence for his life and for his death resided in the same place in the Lord Jesus. Look at uh, verse 28. I'm almost done. I want you to see this. This is very important. Simeon comes up to Jesus. We just read it a few moments ago. He comes up to Mary and Joseph, and he takes the baby, and he takes him in his arms. He embraces him. Now, think about this. Who do we embrace? We embrace people that we love. The problem so many times with some of our teaching and our preaching is we challenge people to trust something that they've never fallen in love with. And you cannot trust Jesus until you embrace him, until you love him. And you will never fall in love with him as your hope until you understand how hopeless you are without him. Remember how we started this message? I threw out some devastating statements like it's terminal. Like I found someone else. Like we don't need your services here anymore. Those are hopeless scenarios. But the other one that I talked about, let's play this out. You got two minutes? Let's play this out for just a moment. Let's say you were the one who were rendered guilty by a judge and sentenced to life without parole. They took you off. You made your way to a small cell. You were cut off from the people that you love, the comforts that you love, all of that. Weeks turned into months. Months turned into years. The folks that said they would call and they would write, they quit. The visitors that were happening once every other week, now it's been a long time. And finally one day a guard comes to your cell and says, Hey, Cooper, somebody here to see you. You make your way to the glass with the phone on the wall. And there's a person on the other side of the glass that you do not recognize. So I pick up the phone, and he tells me who he is. He's a young attorney. He's read my case. He's studied my case, and he wants to take up my case. Immediately, I tell him, hey, I've been in here way too long. I can't pay you. He said, I'm not asking for any money. I'm doing this pro bono. It's free. Don't ask again. I got nothing to lose because I'm hopeless, right? Knock yourself out, I say. And so he does. He studies, he researches, he interviews. He files petition after petition. And finally, he comes back and says, we've got it. We've got another court date. And so we go. And you knew that you were hopeless. But he fought for you like no one has ever fought for you. And against all odds, when the dust settled, the judge utters a different verdict. Innocent, you're free to go. You had heard guilty without parole. Innocent, you're free to go. Now, here's what I I believe about you. As soon as the judge says that, I'm about to embrace somebody, are you? I'm about to hug that person who fought for me, who sacrificed so much for me. I mean, do you agree with me? If you just put yourself in that story and someone had done that for you, wouldn't that change your affection toward them? Please help me. It's a fourth service. I need a little something. You better believe it. I mean, you would embrace him. 
you would love him. I'm presenting a case to you this Christmas Eve that Jesus has done something far greater for you. He's done something far greater for you in your hopelessness. He came and lived a life that you could never live under his own authority. You think about Jesus obeyed the laws. Whose were they? They were his. He came under them so that you could come out from under them into freedom. He died a death that you were supposed to die to give you hope in exchange for your utter hopelessness. I think that's what Simeon wants us to see this Christmas. Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the truth of your word, would you speak to us, reveal whatever it is you want to reveal to us in this moment and do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.